Good afternoon. It's Midday Magazine for Monday, September 18th. I'm Shelby Herbert reporting for KFSK. The Petersburg School District says a student made threats against the district on Thursday afternoon. A staff member heard the threats and immediately notified acting administrator Jamie Cabral. Most administrative staff were in Anchorage at a safety summit. Cabral followed school protocol and had a conversation with the student. He then contacted Principal Brad King by phone, and they decided the threats were credible. Next, Cabral called law enforcement. The school district and the police department continue to actively investigate the incident. The student was sent home Thursday afternoon and remains under family supervision. The student is suspended pending the investigation. Superintendent Clute Painter was contacted by phone Sunday and said, quote, We feel confident in the family supervision that is happening at this point. Everyone is cooperating with the school and police. Everyone is taking it seriously, unquote. The Petersburg School District sent out an email to parents Friday evening with limited information. It said there was a credible threat, but that they did not believe that there was any imminent danger to students or staff. And it said that law enforcement was involved. Clute Painter said they can't share details because the district has to be cautious with student privacy and because the investigation is ongoing. Clute Painter said, quote, Typically, we err on the side of involving law enforcement because we do have a good working relationship with the police department. We're not trained in threat assessment. That's what they do. That's why it's important to have that cooperative relationship with them, unquote. The school district sent a second email late Sunday night reassuring parents about the school's safety. Clute Painter said that there will be a police presence at the school today. This is the first credible threat towards the Petersburg School District. Petersburg Police Chief Jim Kerr could not be reached for comment. Petersburg's Borough Assembly has a lengthy agenda ahead of its meeting tonight at 6 p.m., which includes several reports on borough activities. One of those reports will come from the borough's insurer. In early June, the Assembly asked Alaska Public Entity Insurance, or APEI, to review the borough's HR and safety practices, and then to prepare a report describing their observations. Three APEI members visited Petersburg in August, and their report says they took anonymous comments from about 40 community stakeholders and borough employees. Barbara Thurston is the executive director of APEI. She'll report on the insurance company's review. Then, borough administration and human resources staff will share their plans to implement APEI's recommendations. They hope to appoint a safety officer and establish a safety committee to determine the best way forward. In its only item of unfinished business, the Assembly will take its third and final vote on an ordinance to adjust the fiscal year 2024 budget. The changes would accept a couple grants, totaling almost $100,000, as well as dedicate funds to remedy several different structural issues around town. The update also covers the higher wages the Assembly approved this summer in its contract negotiations with PMEA, the union representing Petersburg's municipal employees. In new business, the borough will consider approving the sale of borough property at 10 North 12th Street to Petersburg Indian Association. Borough manager Steve Giesbrecht and tribal administrator Chad Wright have arrived at a price of $45,000 for the lot, and they need the Assembly's approval to proceed with the sale. 
And with the municipal election in just two weeks, Borough Clerk Debbie Thompson is requesting the Assembly's approval of a list of 15 election officials. They'll help oversee proper and orderly voting at Petersburg's regular election on Tuesday, October 3rd. Assembly members Dave Kensinger and Jeff Miucci's terms are running out this month, and they're planning on addressing the Assembly on several topics. Miucci is requesting several discussions, one about the Property Development Fund Code, one on expanding the borough's platting authority outside of Service Area 1, and another about a potential borough-sponsored trade school scholarship program. He also wants to share information from the Southeast Alaska Sea Otter Stakeholder Group about changes in the regional sea otter population. Dave Kensinger is requesting a discussion about the borough's housing task force. Miucci is running for re-election for his assembly seat, and Kensinger is not. The assembly will meet tonight at 6 p.m. in the assembly chambers. KFSK will broadcast that meeting live and post the recordings on our website, kfsk.org. Anyone from the community can join the meeting in person, by phone, or on Zoom. And there's more information on KFSK's community calendar. Mount Shishaldin in the eastern Aleutians is erupting, marking the latest event in a summer of increased activity at the volcano. The Alaska Volcano Observatory said an explosive eruption began shortly after 5 p.m. on Friday. Ash is currently being produced and is drifting towards the east below the cloud deck, the Volcano Watch Group reported. The National Weather Service issued a statement Friday evening warning of possible trace ashfall in False Pass, King Cove, and Cold Bay. The stratovolcano is near the center of Unimak Island, about 20 miles from False Pass, a small fishing community located on the east side of the island. Intermittent eruptions have been disrupting air travel since July, one of which spewed ash as high as 40,000 feet. The current aviation color code has been raised to red. Recovery efforts for a small plane that crashed in Wrangell-St. Elias National Park last month have been called off. Clint Johnson with the National Transportation Safety Board says it's rare that a wreck is this inaccessible. Uh, it's not often we see this where we can't get to an accident site or recover the victims or, or the wreckage. Alaska state troopers reported on August 28th that a Beechcraft Bonanza carrying two people had gone missing after leaving Glen Allen the day before on the way to Ketchikan. Officials say Clayton McMartin and Melissa McMartin from Roanoke, Texas, were on the plane. The plane was last heard from 18 miles of Cape Yakutaga near Yakutat. A U.S. Coast Guard aircraft spotted wreckage in a glaciated area with deep crevasses near Mount Leeper in Wrangell-St. Elias National Park on August 28th. National Park staff, Alaska State Troopers, and the National Transportation Safety Board have been attempting to recover the wreckage since then, but poor weather conditions hampered early efforts. Now, officials say the wreckage location in an area with deep crevasses is permanently inaccessible. The NTSB preliminary report does not give a clear reason for the crash, but Johnson said that based on the information they have and photos of the site, it was a high-speed crash. The Moose Hunt near Petersburg, Wrangell, and Cake opened Friday. It's a month-long hunt that includes several islands in southeast. 
as well as some areas on the mainland. The antler moose hunt allows hunters to take bull moose with certain antler configurations. There is no quota. The hunt liberalized in 2009 from requiring three brow tines on one side to allowing two brow tines on both sides. Frank Robbins is the state wildlife biologist for the area. He says the hunt has been successful by all accounts. Over the last nine years, the harvest has been over 100 bulls. He spoke with Coast Alaska's Angela Denning about the upward harvest trend. He says moose are being harvested where they've never been before. We're currently harvesting moose in areas where they weren't harvested just 10, 15 years ago. For example, Kiyu Island, 10, 12 years ago, there was a nominal harvest, if any harvest at all. Uh, Last year, nearly 30 bulls were harvested on Kiyu, which made up 25% of the total harvest. So it's a dynamic situation. You know, there's moose present in in areas where they just weren't present in the numbers that they are now. That, to me, sounds like a good sign, like the population could be expanding. I think there's a bit of increase in in the distribution of moose, and... There's been some good productivity. We don't have a means by which we can estimate population. We manage largely on harvest and trends in harvest. And in these coastal rainforest areas, it's very difficult to, to, to survey. It's just uh, the trees and the mountains make it too right. dense to see from, say, an aerial survey? Right. We have some hopes that we're... Do, we're experimenting with uh, trail cameras now. We, we hope in the future we'll be able to adopt that technology and it'll give us more information. But currently, we, we largely manage on harvest alone. That's what our best data is. So, but yeah, you're right. The moose, moose harvest has increased over time. Hunter success has increased. 15 years ago, hunter success was around 11% for this hunt. 10 years later, it was up to about 14%. Now we're at 17 percent success rate yeah success so so harvest has increased hunter success has increased uh so yeah it looks good but you can't definitively say that the population has increased but you can say that is the distribution has increased i don't have data to present that that demonstrates an increase in population i have harvest data that shows that the harvest has increased, hunter success has increased, and um, indirectly suggests that not only have we had an expansion in the distribution of the the moose, but but there's more moose available. Uh, So they've been kind of moving, of course, from the mainland uh, westward across the islands, across Kupanoff Island to to Kuyu Island. Any thoughts on the expansion? Is it just kind of a natural evolution? I've been told... It is a natural expansion that it's just taken that long for moose to to uh, inhabit those areas since uh, the uh, glaciers receded. It's just taking that much time for them to get there. Yeah, it's not a topic that I've studied directly, so I don't know. I've heard similarly that traditionally the diet was more deer, and moose was just hardly ever. That's right. Yeah. So I, I don't. I don't remember exactly, but I think maybe the first moose was sighted on Kupanoff in the 70s. So there's just been a slow expansion of distribution. So it's an interesting dynamic moose hunt.
Frank Robbins is the state wildlife biologist for Unit 3 near Petersburg and Wrangell. The moose hunt runs to October 15th. Hunters in Southeast are required to report many details of their hunt, like their harvest location, the sex of the animal, and how many days they hunted. KFSK has an open airwaves policy. We encourage the public to express personal opinions, ideas, and creative works, which will be available on our website, kfsk.org, following the scheduled radio broadcast. The views and opinions expressed are not necessarily those of KFSK. The following commentary was submitted for broadcast by Jeff Miucci, candidate for Borough Assembly. Hello, this is Jeff Miucci, and I'm running for re-election to the Borough Assembly on the October 3rd election. I would be honored to have you vote for me. The last three years, to say the least, have been very tumultuous. Many issues have been discussed, debated, and voted on. Some decisions were more popular than others. My perspective when it comes to making decisions is to examine the issues, look into the facts, listen to the community members, and make decisions that is in the best interest of the entire community. The Assembly has tackled some tough issues that have major economic impacts to the community. I will continue to look into ways to make housing available and affordable. Working with the Petersburg Indian Association to build more houses and apartments is a good thing for Petersburg. I will continue to look into ways to make child care affordable and available to families. I will continue to advocate for the borough's maximum local monetary contribution to the school district. My wife and I have four grandchildren who have started their journey through the community's child care and school system. Preparing the community's children for the future is very important to me. I will continue to advocate for the elderly in town by continuing to fund the Mountain View Manor Food Service Program and encouraging local community members to donate fish to the program whenever possible. Outside of Service Area 1, I'd like to continue the work on taking ownership from the state of Alaska of the Papke's ramp, dock, and parking lots and make it much more user-friendly. I will continue to support the hospital board in their efforts to build a new hospital. At the same time, I will continue to ask questions about funding for the new hospital, and I will be an advocate for the neighbors of the new hospital to make sure that their concerns are being listened to. I will continue to listen to community members' concerns about issues in town. I will always listen and ask questions. As we get closer to the election on October 3rd, I expect false information and disparaging remarks to be made about me, but I'm very comfortable in my track record on how I have voted on issues over the last few years in office. One of my goals during the campaign season is to keep things positive and to focus on what the candidates bring to the table. So if you have any questions for me, I can be reached at 907-518-9007. Thank you very much for listening. I'm Jeff Mucci, candidate for Borough Assembly. Go Vikings! The commentary you've just heard was submitted for broadcast by Jeff Miucci, candidate for Petersburg Borough Assembly. KFSK encourages the public expression of personal opinions, ideas, and creative works. Views and opinions expressed are not necessarily those of KFSK. For more information, please call General Manager Tom Abbott at 907-772-3808. For KFSK, I'm Shelby Herbert.